The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew 3 because we are we preached through the beginning of Matthew um, partly because it's uh, Christmas and like why not? First two books of first two chapters of Matthew are all about Christmas, um, and so we're going to continue, actually going to be preaching through the book of Matthew and finishing up this next year. So we're going to pick up in Matthew 3, and we all have colds, so I might be helping my throat a little bit here. But if you remember last week, we ended with uh, this uh, incredible story of Jesus being saved by going to Egypt and avoiding the death of uh, Herod. And then the Magi fleeing, and now Jesus is back on the scene, and we are now skipping over like 30 years of Jesus' life and picking up where his ministry began, begins, and we're picking up with John the Baptist. So I'm going to read the whole chapter of Matthew 3, and then we're going to pray and ask for God's help, and we'll look at this together. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region of the Jordan, about the Jordan, were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit Good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I will not I am I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with with the Holy Spirit and fire, for his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his stressing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will not be will be burned with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do, not, and, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fulfilling for us, it is fitting for us for, to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Father, as we look at your word, would you smile on us? And would you give us your spirit that we would see what you have for us here? That you are a God who's happy to give us mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we are looking at this passage, um, in some ways it seems a bit odd that we have a whole passage, a whole chapter devoted to a guy who's not the main character, 
right? We have a whole chapter basically about John the Baptist, um, and he doesn't show up for the rest of the book except for uh, like a few chap, uh, like a half a chapter later, where he's getting beheaded. So, um, but we have this introductory situation with John, uh, kind of like the way you have uh, the opening act of a band, right? Uh, you have the opening act, and they are there to kind of like uh, get the juices flowing, right, for the main act. Um, I was looking up some of the famous instances where this has happened, where, you know, the opening act um, actually ends up becoming this incredible band. And actually, uh, I found this, re- uh, this story from Robert Plant. You guys, who knows who Robert Plant is? Everybody? Yeah, everybody knows who Robert Plant is, right? The lead singer for... Led Zeppelin, exactly, right? So he recounts that it, uh, the first show that they had in America was uh, December 26, 1968, so 49 years ago. It was in Denver. I remember pulling, he says, I remember pulling up to the theater and the marquee said, uh, Vanilla Fudge, Taj Mahal, and Support. Now, I don't know if you guys know who Vanilla Fudge is. I had to look them up. Yeah, I mean, they, they actually, when you hear the songs, you're like, oh, right, I remember this. But... Led Zeppelin was only listed as support, <laughs> right? Their debut album had not come out yet, and of course, uh, within a year, uh, they were no longer support. They were the Led Zeppelin. Um, now, the reason I, I tell this just to kind of like remind us that uh, sometimes opening acts can outshadow the the main event. In this situation, that's not the case, right? We are not showing up and seeing John the Baptist and thinking, man, he is so great, and Jesus' character too. He is actually leading us into the main purpose of who Jesus is and why he's coming. And we see that right there, the the very first thing that it says, what is John's message all about? John the Baptist, his main message is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is at the core of what John the Baptist, his opening act for Jesus Repentance is all about what he's calling people to because that's what Jesus is going to be coming to fulfill and lead us into. And so repentance, just so you know, like repentance is basically this idea of turning from one thing to another. It's real simple, right? Repentance is turning away from one thing to another. And I think it's helpful to kind of clarify this for us to kind of think through what is repentance because uh, if you think about 2017 and what's been going on in 2017, um, there's been a lot of people who've made public apologies and confessions, and we get kind of confused because those things don't seem to kind of match up to what is needed, right? Sometimes we hear confessions and apologies, and we're like, man, that was totally self-serving. <laughs> what Jesus is calling us to, what John the Baptist is calling us to, is true repentance because God loves to give mercy. At the heart of repentance is a merciful, smiling Father. And so that's what Jesus is calling us to, or John the Baptist is calling us to, and Jesus is going to be leading us into. So what we're going to do is we're just going to look through this uh, in three aspects of what repentance is. And so we're going to pick up in verse one, repenting. We are called to repent, repenting for renewal. Can we throw that up? Repenting for renewal. Did the slides get synced in there? They're all mixed up. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. You're just going to have to trust me on this. I have points, and they're important. And point one, (laughs) repenting for renewal. Hey, there we go. Nice. All right. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were coming out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So who's this John character, right? We've been talking about him. I've kind of thrown his name out. Um, uh, typically, Baptists like to say, look, we're, we're biblical. John the Baptist, he was a Baptist. <laughs> Who is John the Baptist? So John the Baptist was actually Jesus' cousin. Right? You know from the Gospel of Luke that um, his mom was the cousin of Mary. So uh, they were related. But that's not, this isn't like a family reunion going on at the, at the riverside. Uh, John the Baptist um, was actually chosen by God to be the forerunner for Jesus. What that means is throwing out the banner ahead of time. And a part of his gig was that he wore, verse 4, a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Uh, he was the original Bear Grylls, right? Or whoever you kind of look to and you look at, like, the Nature Channel, and you're like, dude, that guy's a beast. Like, he was the guy who was out there, like, um, who is it? Adam was telling me about these, this guy who, like, knows how to do these breathing exercises and, like, does, like, meditation on, like, I'm sorry? Yeah, like does like, like breathing exercises and like keeps himself warm on the icebergs. Like this guy was like a beast, right? He's wearing ha- camel's hair, eating bugs and honey. Like paleo before it was cool, I guess. But uh, a part of this, the reason he's all like dressed out like that is that he is embodying the wilderness. Like he's embodying like what it means to be uh, the wilderness and out in the nomads. And what that means is that for the whole Old Testament... All the situations in the Old Testament where God wants to renew his people, he takes them out into the wilderness. Kind of like a a vision quest type thing. He takes them out into the wilderness and he renews them out where there's nothing else but God to rely on. And so John the Baptist is coming and saying, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the way that you know that God's going to renew you through the kingdom of heaven is that he's leading you out to start again with God. That, that's, a, that's a whole situation where John the Baptist is kind of embodying in who he is. And so what's this, what does this mean when he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Like, what is that? It seems kind of like a, there was a movie recently, like the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't that great. But um, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is where God begins to, to take control, where God begins to reign, where God's promised presence takes control in our lives. That's what it means for the kingdom of heaven. God is now in control. And now, I don't know if you think about this, when I think about kingdoms and God taking control, it's like, is that a threat? <laughs> like, is this like, it's going to be a war? What John is, John is doing is when he is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is a hand, there is a sense in which when he talks about God and he points to God, and he says, God's kingdom's starting again. He's starting anew. He's doing a new thing. He's taking control. It's alluring. It's God coming down to bring, come, bring himself near to us, and it draws the heart in. Right? John, the way John the Baptist, I don't know if you read this and you kind of think like, man, is this like a street preacher out there, like kind of like throwing out tracks and all that stuff? No, John, John's talking about God in a way that, that brings us in, that, that makes us want to lean into who he is. Because, right, verse 5, now Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. Right? People, people wanted this God. Like they, they wanted to lean in hear more about him, to receive 
this renewal. See, that's why when God is seen as a gracious and good God who's leaning in to renew you, the, the end of this passage, right, they were confessing their sins. Like we, oh, like it's, it's okay to do that with this God. Like he's, he actually is for me. He wants my renewal. He's not kind of like annoyed with me or kind of holding back a hand to swap me. He's actually holding out his hands to graciously renew me. Right, because at the heart of repentance is seeing that this God wants to renew me and he's not annoyed with me. Right, it's kind of the difference between repenting because we got caught or repenting because we, we want change. Right, I, I don't know, if, uh, again, I don't mean to use parenting illustrations all the time, but like you see it all the time with my kids. It's like, um, oh, I guess I'll say I'm sorry because I got caught. Right? Like I remember um, when I was a kid, uh, there was a situation where my dad was changing the screen on the back porch, and for whatever reason, my friends and I thought um, the, there was a screen door by the back wall, and we thought, we've got all these sticks. Why don't we poke some holes in the screen door? <laughs> and then when my dad brought it to my attention, it was like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I got caught. I guess I'll say I'm sorry now, and I didn't mean to, and it wasn't what I intended to do. Right? That's kind of like the repenting and saying like, oh, I'm sorry because I got caught. And then there's the, the repenting where you know, look, there's this stuff going on in me that's not okay, and I need help, and I'm sorry. Right? That's, you notice John the Baptist is not the one going out and saying, oh, you, he's the one saying, here's who God is. People are coming in because they're seeing, oh, no, I want this God. He's a merciful God who wants to help me and save me. <coughs> You see, that prophecy from Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The path of the Lord is through broken hearts. Right? The Lord, he makes his way through our lives and into this world by breaking our hearts for seeing who we are apart from him. Right? He's not saying, oh, you dirty, rotten, horrible people. He's saying, no, I, I hate that you are so enslaved to your sin. I hate that you're so addicted to yourself. I hate that you are so broken apart from me. As he begins to open our eyes, the path of the Lord is through broken hearts. So yeah, at Psalm 51, actually, Bill, Bill quoted this, actually, during the worship. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Right? God loves a broken heart. God God's not impressed, even though it is incredibly cold today, um, and you guys are all commended for coming out. <laughs> God is not impressed by coming to church or saying your prayers or doing anything. God loves, but you know what God loves? He leans into and kisses a broken soul, a broken heart that says, God, I can't do this without you. See, often we, uh, there's a sense in which we repent that, that idea of we repent because we got caught, we're going to see the Pharisees in the next passage. But religious repenting, repenting just because it's like the Christian religious thing to do, repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry. Um, religious repenting is how we clear the books. Like we, re, Repenting because it's like the religious thing to do, we just do it because it's like, I just want to get this out of the way. This is annoying. I don't like feeling bad. And so God, I want to get this out of the way. 
gospel repentance, repentance that's focused on Jesus at this passage. Remember, it ends on Jesus. Gospel repentance. Ask God, God, how can I honor you in my heart? Not because I've been caught, but because God is gracious and wants to renew you. He wants to change you from the inside. He wants to renew you. The reality is that if you're here in these four walls, that's the type of people that God brings near to himself. He brings people who are totally broken and need him. The church is an ER room of grace and mercy. Right? To be, be a Christian is to join a family of people who need mercy. Right? We, we are in this room because uh, we want to have a hospital of grace set up in our neighborhood to say Jesus is the, is the doctor. And even though Jacob is an incredibly uh, smart and funny guy, he's not the best. <laughs> um, Jesus is the doctor. Jesus is the one who comes and heals our souls. Right? This repenting because we need renewal is not because we're trying to earn anything with God or queer the books or make God happy with us. We're repenting because we need mercy. We need Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings us into the ER room of grace and heals us. Right? Actually, John or Bill quoted John. Right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is eager to cleanse us and renew us. And he does that in a community of faith. Does that here? So listen, if you if you want to repent and find true renewal in the year to come, I don't know what 2017 held for you. Um, just for me, it was a lot of like, oh right, I still need Jesus big time. I'm a big fat jerk, and um, I need a lot of mercy. We we find renewal through repenting together, right? So even in our missional community, if you're in a missional community, like we can just say, hey guys. I needed just to confess I was a real jerk to my wife or I was a real jerk to my kids or at work or my kids or my parents because they're my parents and we can say that. And we find renewal together in Jesus. So we're going to pick up in verse 7 because we're not just going to be finding renewal for repenting but true change, right? Renewal is the beginning. True change is the lifelong effect. So... Speaking up in verse 7, repenting for true change. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, right, this is John the Baptist. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Aren't you guys glad that I don't open the sermon? <laughs> you brood of vipers. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. For every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Hold on a second. So here's the deal. John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist is kind of like, uh, he's the indie artist doing his thing, uh, talking about the true, true God. And then all the establishment guys are coming out and saying like, hey, uh, what's this guy all about? 
and uh, trying to decide if, they're, if they approve of it or not, whether it's valid or not. Right, there's this religious presumption that like we're the, guy, we're the real guys, and this guy out here talking about God's not real. And um, as long as we exist, um, we can kind of determine whether this is true or not, right? Um, and it's, it's kind of like the sense of like, well, listen, my, my dad was a pastor. My dad's dad was a pastor. My dad's dad was a member. My, my dad's dad's dad was like on the Mayflower and like crossed the ocean. And my dad's dad's dad dad. So it's like this family history thing of like, no, of course I'm, I'm one of God's people because I come from a family of God's people. And John the Baptist basically says like, listen, uh, all your stony hearts, uh, God can replace by actually turning stones into real people, <laughs> right? You can't presume with God because God can make his own people uh, all these wooden chairs. God could turn into uh, real people, which would be a bit awkward for you sitting on a wooden chair. Uh, but God can turn rocks into real people. So you can't presume to be one of God's people, right? The, the reality of what John is calling them to is saying, look, your repentance must show uh, must have like an effect. It must show that you're truly being changed by this God. To be, to be a, one of God's people isn't to be a rock that's got like a shirt with a cool logo on it walking around the city. To be one of God's people is to have a heart that's being changed, to have more of Jesus. Right? We were, just, we were just saying, holiness is Christ in me. That produces fruit. It changes us. <laughs> Repentance... See, again, we're seeing this, this dynamic of kind of like religious repentance versus Jesus-centered or gospel repentance. Right, religious repentance uh, is basically um, selfish and self-righteous and ultimately bitter, right? Repentance, uh, religious repentance is to keep God happy, right? It's like, okay, God, I'm one of your people and I just want to keep you happy at a distance. It's ultimately self-righteous, selfish, self-righteous, and bitter, um, and what it, we just kind of break that down, right? Religious repentance is selfish because it basically says, um, "I don't like feeling bad. I don't like I don't like feeling bad." And so, God, I'm just going to do this interaction with you. I'm going to say I'm sorry, and then you're going to say you're forgiven, and then I get to go on with my life, right? It, it's basically what what does that mean that repentance is doing? It's just it's about me. It's about how I feel and how I get along with my life. God's kind of like an enabler, kind of helps me feel better. Self-righteous, right? Uh, God, I can't believe that I would do that. Like, that's the sign, like, oh, I'm so angry with myself for doing, just so you know, like, our hearts are incredibly deceptive and wicked, and um, we can do horrible, horrible things. All of us in here uh, are capable of doing the worst things we could imagine, so there's nothing beneath us, but Often we kind of say like, oh, I'm, so, I'm so angry at myself. I can't believe that I did that. I wouldn't do that. It's self-righteous also in the sense of like, well, I know I lied, but I'm not a Bernie Madoff, right? Like I didn't like deceive the entire economy, <laughs> right? Like it's like I'm bad, but I'm not like that bad. It's self-righteous. And then it's bitter because ultimately... A religious repentance, the way you can tell if you're doing religious repentance is because it's like, I can't, I just, I have to be good enough. Like, I, I hate having to do all this good stuff. All right, so, it's such a burden. It's such a burden to love people that I don't love. It's such a burden to try to do all these good things. So, that's what religious repentance looks like, right? It's, it kind of has like this, 
it has this veneer of religion, right? Like it's like, oh, this looks like looks like the Bible, talks like the Bible, but it doesn't have Jesus at the heart. We call that typically, um, typically we call that moralism, right? Uh, there's a scene at the end of, has anybody seen Saving Private Ryan? I mean, it's like kind of like 20 years ago, so like, I don't feel like I'm giving away the end of it, right? <laughs> okay. So at the end of Saving Private Ryan, there's a scene where um, he says to the guy, you know, he's just died for him, right, to save him. <laughs> and what does he say? Earn, earn it. Right. There's a sense of like, now this guy for the rest of his life lives under this crippling, did I do enough? Did I do enough? Moralism says, have I done enough? Have I done enough to make God happy? Have I, 2017, guys, let's just do an evaluation real quick. Five seconds. What have you done to earn God's happiness with you? <laughs> Nothing, <laughs> right? But, you, but here's the reality. John the Baptist is calling them to say, no, you repent and you produce the fruits of righteousness, true change, not to make God happy with you, but because God is happy to change you, Right? That's where true change comes from. So gospel change, right? So if religious repentance, selfish, self-righteous, and bitter, gospel change, can we throw that up there? Gospel change, um, I don't have it in my notes. So there we go. Gospel repentance, right? You, you see how John is saying, yeah, repentance here, verse, uh, verse 11, it's about him who's going to come and give you the Holy Spirit. It's Christ-focused, right? Gospel repentance says, Jesus, you are all I need. You are enough for me, right? Gospel repentance is self-effacing, right? Is what that means is just hum humble, right? God, uh, Jesus, I am a dirtbag, and I totally need you to help me, right? Here's the reality. I don't even know the half of how bad I've made it. And then gospel repentance actually taps into joy, right? Isn't that the weird thing about the gospel? Is the, is this, is, is, as much as you say, I'm a total dirtbag apart from God, <laughs> and I'm a sinner, and I need him. He's actually freely given me Jesus, who's happy. Jesus is happy, and he wants to change you, right? This whole story of the gospel of Matthew is about Jesus, who doesn't come here begrudgingly. He comes here to save us because he, he's happy about it. He wants to. So gospel repentance actually produces joy because it says, I have nothing in me that could change me, but God, you've given me yourself, and you are eager to change, right? That's, that's the whole thing about they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? He is the person of the Godhead that is the person of joy, right? The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, and that love between them actually is the third person of the Trinity. He says, I love, and he's just a constant back and forth of love, right? He is a joyful, happy person of the Trinity. And so when he says gospel repentance... Is, is what true, leads to true change. It's God, God produces out of broken hearts. He births true joy, real joy. God, I'm not alone. You can change me. So I don't know what 2018 looks like for you. But here I think is one thing to meditate on. Can we play? Richard Sibbs has this great line. There is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. All of 2017, it's filled, it's filled with failures and, you know, successes and things that went well, but ways in which I realized that I'm, I totally am just messed up apart from God. And you could be ending 2017 saying, hey, is there any, any hope for change this coming year? 
I mean, I personally, the older I get, the more I realize, like, I kind of thought in my 20s that change would be kind of like, yeah. Man, it's not so easy. 2018 is filled with more mercy than all the sins you bring into the year. 2018 is filled with all of Jesus for you, mercifully eager to give you more mercy to help you have true change than there is all the sin that you could possibly have. Jesus is eager to change you because his presence is what purifies us. I don't know if that gives you hope, but it gives me hope that this next year, there's, there's more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. Like that, that, I, I had that emblazoned in my brain because I just need to remember that. So I don't know what your, how your marriages are doing, right? If it's a total wreck or going well, there's more mercy in Christ for your spouse than there is sin that they've afflicted on you. I know what's going on with your family. There's more mercy in Christ for your family than there is sin that they've afflicted on you. I know what's going on with your job. And I'll, whether you think you're doing well or it's failing, there's more mercy in Christ for you than all the things that are not going well with your job. I, we can keep going down the line. Name an area of your life, brokenness, failure. There's more mercy that Jesus is smiling and eager to give you than there is all the failures you can list. So we're going to pick up now. We're going to pick up in the story. So we've talked about John the Baptist, the opening act. Now we're going to go to the main event of Jesus himself. Repenting. We're going to end, and this won't be a surprise, repenting because we're loved. All right, verse 13. Then Jesus, main event, comes from, came from Galilee to Jordan, to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For us, it is fitting, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John, he consented. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the, the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So here's the main question, right? If repentance is all about saying, God, I'm sorry, and being baptized is a symbol of that, why is Jesus being baptized? <laughs> Have you ever thought of that? Like, what's going on with Jesus being baptized here? What's the deal with why he is the one going under the waters, right? Obviously, John the Baptist had a sense of that too, because he's kind of like, uh, look, I know enough to say, I'm a dirtbag, and you're not, and why are you being baptized and I'm not? So Jesus' answer is to say, it is to fulfill all righteousness. Now, here's what I think was going on with that. First of all, uh, Jesus um, is coming to, to set right what Adam and Israel failed to do, right? So in the Old Testament, right, Adam uh, was like the beginning of all the worst husbands in the world, right? He sat by while his wife... Um, uh, he didn't step in to protect his wife, and his wife ate from the, the tree, whatever it was, right? So Jesus is the better Adam, right? He comes in and says, I'm the new Adam. I'm the one who's going to fulfill and protect my bride, even though uh, she doesn't deserve it, right? So he's, he's being the, the better Adam. Um, secondly, uh, as a part of that, right, I don't know, this is going to kind of pull, pull up some, like, Old Testament pictures, but 
you know, every time that God starts something new, right? Not only is it, there's one image is to do things in the wilderness. You know, is what it, what happens with Eden? God God leads Eden the, the ground out of the water, right? He begins something new out of the water. When he begins a new people in the in Exodus, what does he do? He leads them through the water, and they come out and they're his people, right? So God God brings new things out of the water. So that's what Jesus is doing, right? He's not only being the new Adam where he's like protecting them and fulfilling all that God's told him to do, but he's actually, he's becoming the new place where God rests, right? And the third thing I think is going on here is that Jesus identifies with us. Our reality is that Jesus doesn't deserve to be in the waters of confession, but we do. And Jesus comes because he's eager to identify with us. Because that's the heart of the gospel, right? The heart of the gospel is saying, uh, Jesus, who is perfect and sinless, and totally, totally good, comes and identifies with people who are broken and sinful and totally, totally wrecked. And on the cross, Jesus says, that's my identity now. So that he dies in our place because we deserve to die for all that we've done. And then he says, I'm going to give you my identity. I'm going to give you who I am before the Father. I'm going to give you my righteousness and my faith and my hope, and he gives it to us. So here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's doing this identity shift, right? That is at the heart of what's going on here. Right? Jesus says to us, now your story, it's my story, right? All, all the, the sin that you've committed, all the, the horrible things that have happened to you, it's my story. And I know you, and I love you. So why does it happen then that when Jesus comes out of the waters, you have this whole kind of situation where the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove? What's going on with that? Well, here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he's coming to identify with us, it, part of the reason the Trinity, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is all there to say, the whole Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity are committed to your change. Committed to you. Because Jesus isn't just kind of like sneaking out the back door of heaven to kind of like save us from an angry father who's eager to beat us. But that's not the picture of the gospel. The father sends his son and the Holy Spirit of joy and love comes and rests on Jesus as he is beginning his new, his new change in us. And then the father proclaims over him, what does he say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right? You see at the beginning of what Jesus is doing, I don't know if you would agree with this, but it seems like it's a happy God, right? It seems like God's happy about this. God is happy saying, these people are broken. You and I in this room, we're in an ER room. We're broken. But God's happy to fund change. He's happy to fund the grace. He's happy to fund the mercy. He is sending Jesus because he loves them. Right, there's actually, there's an Old Testament, uh, in Isaiah, he's actually kind of fulfilling a bit of Isaiah 52, where it says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. One <laughs> whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And a fainting, burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Do you know what that means? People who are broken, they were you know, a broken twig, uh, just like a, a candle that's just about to go out, 
the Spirit of God rests on Jesus, and he doesn't pinch it out. Isn't that encouraging for people like us who just feel like we're barely making it by? Jesus doesn't come and say, not good enough. Pinch it out. He comes and very graciously and just gently, I want to care for you. I want to, I want to change you. I want to help you. And so the, the way we, we, we get in on that change is we repent because we're loved. Right? I don't know. And the way that he, uh, he kind of gives us a picture of that is the Father says over Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the face of a new of a new parent, right? Right, we're about to have our fourth, and so we've kind of been down this road a few times. <laughs> but the first the, the first time they bring they bring you their baby, like this is my son or daughter, right? That that beaming, the proud, I, and some of it's kind of like, bro, that baby's done nothing, right? <laughs> right, he ain't he ain't done nothing to get your, but just who they are. Right, in Jesus. Remember we talked about that identity change that's happening? In Jesus, the Father, every morning, this is my son. This is my daughter. He says this over you. In Jesus, my soul delights in you. So if the message of of John the Baptist is repent for the kingdom of heaven is a hand, if that means God's taking control, (laughs) that God who says this is my son or daughter in whom my soul is well pleased because of Jesus. I'm happy in them because of Jesus. He's happy in you because of Jesus. If that's God, then the invitation to repent, it's a safe invitation, right? It's safe. We can say, God, I'm totally messed up. God, I've had all these things going on in my life that I haven't told anybody about. God, I've had these secret things going on, these secret thoughts, these secret issues. God, I've had these, these things that keep going on forever. I, I can't seem to change. If that's the, that's the posture of God over you, I think that the invitation is a safe one. We can come to him and say, God, I, I need your help. And what this, this offers is that God's mercy loves to meet our repentance. So I don't know how you're ending 2017, maybe you're seeing in your own life, if we were just to kind of go down the list, <coughs> indifference to God, indifference to, the, to who God is and what he loves. The invitation of this passage is not to say, ah, now, put all your effort into it. No, actually, the invitation is to say, no, first, think about Jesus and his devoted love for you, his mercy and his committed love to you. And as you pray and think about that, repent. And God's eager to change you from the inside. Or maybe you're seeing your pride. God, I think I've just been thinking that I'm the one who can get it all done. And that I've, I'm the one who thinks I've got it all together and everything's about me. Right, consider, think about this Jesus who was baptized in this passage. Give your thoughts to him. Think about him. And think, he is the son of God. He created everything. He owns everything. And here he is humbling himself to come be baptized in a dirty river, (laughs) right? This joy, this grace is joyfully given to us. His mercy is eagerly given to us. So we're called to repent because God loves to give mercy. 
So as we end this year, as we look to this next year, we're going to be a people that we need mercy. Uh, there's going to be ways in which you need to have mercy with me, and we're going to have mercy together that I don't even know about. But Jesus is eager to give us mercy, and he calls us to get in on that mercy to change us by repentance, confessing our sins. So we're going to do it in a minute. We're going to turn and take the Lord's Supper together. And maybe this is a moment for us to say, you know what, Jesus, as you invite me to be with you and to remember the gospel where you died for me, right? It's the cup. And you, your body was broken for me. It's the bread. This is a, ref, a fresh moment for us to say, God, you are eager to give me mercy. You're eager to change me. So God, help me. That's repentance. God, help me. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us Jesus and you show us how your mercy is eager to change us. So Father, as we come to you and receive the Lord's Supper, would you change us? Not because we deserve it, because you're eager to give it to us. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.